Hello and welcome to episode four of Weldcast, the podcast of Birmingham's newspaper, the aptly named Weld for Birmingham. Weldcast is brought to you through the good graces of South Pace Properties, Alabama's largest independent commercial real estate firm, headquartered in downtown Birmingham since its founding in 1984. South Pace is a great corporate citizen of this city, uh, and they're Generous sponsorship of this program is uh, very much appreciated. Uh, I'll mention that the first three uh, episodes of uh, Weldcast featured, uh, respectively, uh, Birmingham Mayor William Bell, uh, Libavon, who is the executive uh, director of the Freshwater Land Trust, and two prominent local businessmen, Jeffrey Baer and David Scherer, who are advocates of governmental cooperation and consolidation in Birmingham and Jefferson County. Uh, Those interviews are available to you, as this one will be, at our website, weldbham.com. So we hope you'll give a listen. Uh, Today I'm very pleased to have with me David Fleming. Uh, David is the CEO of Rev Birmingham, which is a public-private organization uh, with the mission of stimulating business growth and improving the quality of life in downtown Birmingham and several designated neighborhood commercial centers uh, throughout our city. Uh, A little more about David. He truly is a local product, uh, having been born in Bessemer, graduated from Vestavia Hills High School, and earned his bachelor's degree from Samford University and a master's from Birmingham Southern College. Uh, He spent most of his professional career with REV and its predecessor, Operation New Birmingham, or ONB, but uh, also worked uh, briefly, I think, in the commercial real estate industry. Uh, in 2004, helped found the neighborhood revitalization organization, uh, Main Street Birmingham, and served as its director for seven years. Uh, David left Main Street in 2011 when he was tapped to succeed longtime director Michael Calvert at ONB. And the following year, ONB merged with Main Street Birmingham to form the organization uh, we know as REV. So, David, uh, welcome. Thank you. Uh, glad to be with you. And I will add that, yes, that uh, I always call that time in the private sector as my sabbatical to the private sector. <laughs> it was very short, and I've mostly been in the yeah, nonprofit world. So. Well, uh, but it was a good experience, as short as it was. Uh, well, and uh, Pepper Place Market was one of the things you worked That's on. That's right. There, right? That, and yeah. it, was, it was very productive and fun. I you know, got to work for Sloss Real Estate Group in that time, and that was the year we started the Pepper Place Farmers Market. And it's, you know, one of those things that I think has been a success, and credit Kathy for really having the vision to do that. Well, and now, as, as your introduction suggests, or my introduction of you, you've been working for and trying to influence the growth uh, and development of, uh, of Birmingham for maybe just about as long as I have, uh, <laughs> maybe from, uh, from uh, somewhat different directions and perspectives, but I think working toward a lot of the same goals. So uh, maybe I ask this as much to justify uh, my own life choices and my existence <laughs> in general, but... Uh, what have we accomplished? Where is Birmingham on that continuum from uh, perpetual promise to promise fulfilled? Uh, you know, that's it's interesting you bring up that idea of perpetual promise because that has always sort of seemed to be the almost curse of Birmingham. And you know, I love history, and yet you do. We talked about it a lot. And um, you know, our city has um, you know sort of you know, just sort of adopted this mentality of we've always got promise but it's like we're never going to realize it. I think, I feel like, you know, that attitude is changing 
especially among a younger generation uh, that thinks that you know we are realizing a lot of promise and they see it and, they, and they're tired of just saying hey we're never going to get there and having excuses um, so I think you know there has been a, a lot of progress uh, made um, certainly I, what I feel from 20 years ago when I started this line of work when you know I sort of dedicated myself to wanting to help you know the city you know grow and all that and, and it was so hard back then to even just get anybody to believe or to care or to want to do anything positive. You know, it was a very kind of negative environment. Uh, and I would say in the last, um, you know, three to five years, there's been a real attitude shift, which is very rewarding to see that because a lot more people that you just don't have to convince like we used to have to convince. Like, I know you were there too. I mean, I haven't just convinced anybody that we could do anything um, uh, very positive. So that's a big deal to me because it, it means that I think if, if we get over that negativity a lot more people will move towards hopefully solutions improvements come together and, I, and, and we can get a lot more progress faster in that regard well and, and I want to come back to the idea of uh, that uh, the, of the role that uh, that younger people are, are playing in uh, what we're currently uh, ex- experiencing uh, and uh, the, the challenges of uh, attracting and, and even, maybe even more so retaining mm-hmm. those people. Yeah. Um, but let me, let me first just uh, ask you to, to talk a little, if you will, about the mission of, of REV and how, how, does, how does your organization fit into that picture? Sure. Um, REV's you know, mission is to try to create vibrant commercial districts uh, in the city by filling vacant spaces and growing sustainable business. Um, in that mission, you hear us really carving out that our role is, is sort of commercial areas, a, a commercial districts, a downtown or maybe a, a neighborhood commercial corridor, a historic area um, like a Woodlawn or an Inslee or somewhere like that. Um, we, we don't really do a lot of the sort of um, uh, you know, manufacturing or industrial park kind of work. That's someone right. else. We're more focused on those commercial districts, commercial centers. Um, and um, we, we you know, are really intent on filling vacant spaces and, and that's something we say is about not just buildings but spaces you know that you know the, a lot of that uh, can suck the quality of life out of a community if you know all that vacancy right. and um, but we recognize that there has to be some degree of market movement to help fill those vacant spaces and that's why they're trying to grow sustainable businesses as part of that mission um, because we recognize that you know, we have, uh, you know, our philosophy really is always, or at least mine has been that you know, I'm, I'm happy if somebody notices us and wants to come and bring whatever they do here, but I think we are more sustainable in our growth if we can grow from within, if we can create people uh, that, or help people move uh, towards uh, implementing their idea, their entrepreneurship dream, um, I think that's a healthy way to go, and, and again, I, I'm happy to recruit somebody from somewhere else, but we st- tend to spend most of our organizational effort on, on growing businesses that will hopefully be able to get to a sustainable place and locate in some of those vacant spaces in the city. Well, and, and what, are the, what are the challenges that you find inherent uh, in that? Well, I think that um, you know, the, the interesting thing about our kind of economic development organization is that we're very obviously focused on physical territory. You know, we, we, we say there are certain places and, and while we, you know, know that there's 
things that are in common to having vibrant commercial districts, you find that a lot of those places are in, at different uh, places in the sort of life cycle of a commercial district. And so you're having to really deploy different tactics in different places uh, given wherever they may be. So I think that's one of the challenges is, is there's not a one-size-fits-all solution necessarily. So you're having to figure out how to best tailor those solutions in ways that um, are going to work well in whatever place you're, you're working. So that's certainly one challenge. Um, I think the fact that um, we are uh, this kind of gets to the transportation issue, I think. You know, the fact that we're a very automobile-oriented society mm -hmm. has been one of the things that's made it hard for those inner-city commercial areas to exist because they were not designed for the car necessarily, and the car has enabled a lot of the market to leave those areas uh, to go shop or move somewhere else. Right. And so um, uh, that is a big deal that I honestly think about a lot is, is our sort of transportation system. It's not our you know, mission, you know, but we obviously, you know, have to think a lot and work with um, all of the different um, uh, people that have some degree of influence over that or maybe control certain um, uh, assets towards that end. And, and that's where it leads to that other issue just, you know, sometimes we, we do have, um, and this is not just a Birmingham problem, but, you know, the sort of fractionalized nature of a lot of those entities that may hold certain solutions to our mission, you know, yeah. uh, whether it's, you know, the transit authorities over here, the parking authorities over here, or you got, you know, this uh, financing institution over here, and, you know, really trying to, to bring cohesion and cohesiveness to uh, those tools that are necessary to, to see the mission go, that, that's um, definitely a challenge. It's almost as if in Birmingham we've set it up to make it as difficult as possible <laughs> wow. to, to, to really move the community forward, yeah. and yet by most uh, measures, we are moving forward. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, speak speak to that in terms of uh, as a lifelong resident of the community, uh, the changes that that you've seen take place. Well, I certainly remember um, growing up. Um, you know, by the time I was coming along, uh, most of the sort of retail options in downtown Birmingham had had closed or were about to close. Pazis was still operating, um, but it was near the end, and you know, right. I, uh, most of the old theaters were gone, and um, you know, there was definitely the the feeling and the attitude, pervasive attitude, that you know, uh, the you know, city core was sort of done. Uh, but of course, today, you know, we see that uh, there's a lot of reinvestment occurring. Um, we added up to roughly a billion dollars worth of investment in the city core, um, both public and private, mm -hmm. and count UAB and all that. Right. Um, so I think that's different uh, than you know when I was coming along, and um, uh, you know that's that's it's positive seeing that change. I think you know we, we talk about how the city's population had been in decline really since 1960, and it appears that it's leveled off. Um, you know, we have to see, you know, how, you know, in some successive counts, you know, how, how, what that means. But, you know, we um, appear to have stemmed some of the sort of just flight from the city population-wise. And that's, uh, you know, that's a change. That, that's, you know, something to build off of. Um, so I think those things are definitely different. But, you know, we're clearly not an economy driven by 
the reason our whole city exists. You know, we were created to be right. that that um, city where folks make iron and steel for a living. You know, I've uh, got that on one of my t-shirts. You know, the, those good, those Yellowhammer guys. Did, you know, that's a uh, um, a great uh, you know thing. Everybody knows that's why Birmingham's here. Uh, but that's not why we are here now. That's not what keeps us going now. And I think that um, um, that's actually one of our current challenges is saying, well, if we're not that anymore, you know, what are we now? And uh, I don't know that we've got a clearly defined or agreed upon answer to that. Because I think if you ask different people, you're going to get different answers. Yeah, I, I don't think we do. And, you know, that, that, that really is to me where the question comes in because one thing that we're still not doing very well is creating jobs. Mm-hmm. We're, we're attracting younger people. Uh, how do we keep them? How do we create the kind of jobs uh, and the kind of opportunities uh, that, that younger people are looking for And what is certainly a different uh, economic world than we lived in a decade ago, let's say? Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, it's, it's nice that I think our numbers on the attraction of millennials are as strong as any of the other cities we often like to compare us to, right. you know, the Nashvilles and Charlottes and those, even Austin. Um, and, and you, know, you can talk to a younger generation, there's just this sense that they're more fired up about Birmingham. That's good, but yes, ultimately, in the same reason why you know, we have a city here as opposed to 1871 when there was nothing here, you know, jobs and economic opportunities, what ultimately keeps you or retains you or allows you to stay. And um, I think you know, the, 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 one of the things I have sensed, and I, I know right now there's, there's a lot of discussion around the idea of building off of our assets and, and really developing our innovation technology sector and, and you know we, we actually have a good strong base for that and I think we have the opportunity to fuel that uh, I feel like about a year ago when Bruce Katz showed up in town and sort of started talking about that it really sort of threw some you know um, gas on that right. idea um, I think he's coming back in a couple of months to sort of see how we're doing on that but it definitely has brought a lot of people from different uh, sectors of the community to a conversation about how do we really fuel that so that we do have not only jobs being um, created but but jobs that are are you know sustainable jobs that really add you know a lot to the base of the community and 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 jobs that are not just at one level but it you know sort of fuels all levels of the of the strata of, of society and so there's a lot of a lot of uh, focus on that um, right now and, uh, and a lot of planning work being done uh, to try to figure out how to take all those. Again, we have these assets and they're right. sort of in, in different corners. And we realize, you know, this is one of those areas where we've got to pull it all together and make sure all of those things are working towards this greater good. Um, so I, I'm, I'm optimistic about job creation. I think, you know, we're going to be able to hopefully be intentional around that. And that's a, that's a key word. And, it is. Um, you know, being intentional around that, um, so that we do have the ability to sustain, uh, you know, the growth that we're seeing, and not just be, you know, classically sort of moving growth from one part of the city to another part of the city to another part of the city, which right. is what you've kind of seen a lot with suburban growth and all that over the years. Is, you know, is it all really new, or is it just sort of moving from one place to the other? And right now, you know, downtown seems to be getting a lot of that, but, um, you know, we need to see it all kind of um, spread out more holy. You know, 
I, I, you know, this made me think of, you know, I, I think about people a lot because even, even though I get really interested, you know, people know that I got into this work because I really love historic buildings. I call myself a building hugger while some people are tree huggers. You know, I'm a building hugger and I just, I love that. And I, um, uh, but, you know, buildings aren't there to exist by themselves. People have to need them, use them, and we need, you need people you know, to, to fill them up and fill up cities. So I think a lot about vibrancy being a people strategy. Um, I think that's what we, we try to do at, at REV is even though we're really interested in the physical environment, the built environment, and all that, um, you know, you can have a beautiful railroad park, but if there's no people there, there's no vibrancy to right. it. So, you know, what is it that uh, brings those people? And I think about a lot of those young entrepreneurs right now, like, you know, Will Wright, who started Pack Health and is growing that business, and a lot of other folks that are coming along. They're, you know, you talk to them, and they're real eager for Birmingham to kind of get over its concern that we can't jo grow those jobs. We're like, you know, he's a guy who grew up, I think, in Los Angeles, and, you know, came to New York and came to Birmingham and he's growing a business here and he's like you know it could happen here so it's that intentionality towards that that I think is is where we're starting to go talk a little if you would about I mean and I, let's be clear you know Rev Rev has an economic development mission aspect of the mission right uh, but also very much community development yeah we're kind of a mission. and that's a that, that a can blend. be a tough balancing act as evidenced in some of the criticism that, that you get about focus on downtown mm -hmm. what have you talk about that about how you know what what how much of that is real how much of it's perceived and how do you uh, how do you uh, how do you address it well I think you're right that we are not just a pure economic development agency and we're not just a pure community development agency. We're kind of a blend of the two, which at times can uh, actually make it challenging for people to really understand who we are right. and what we're doing right. um, and how we do it. And, um, uh, and, and honestly, I, I, I would say that in terms of the kinds of organizations that are most like us around the country, which tend to be um, you know, business improvement districts or commercial district redevelopment or management groups um, you know we're sort of like them but we're we're not either mm -hmm. you know so we mm -hmm. are kind of an outlier and I think when we um, decided all right let's merge O&B and, and Main Street Birmingham a few years ago and create a new organization you know we we sort of at least I did I, I thought you know what does Birmingham really need for today in this kind of work in this kind of organization. I mean, we, we don't want to exist. There's, there's no divine entitlement for our organization you know, to exist. You know, right. we, we have to exist because we actually are doing good. So, and the people believe in that. So, um, you know, we, um, I felt like, and I think everybody at that time felt like we would, you know, try doing this um, organization that understood and was focused on commercial district revitalization but knowing that because we have various districts at different levels of their health, you know, we had to be able to deploy community development at times, economic and, and all that. So, um, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, I think because downtown has had a lot of momentum, um, a lot of people associate us with downtown, and we certainly had a lot of high-profile projects downtown. Um, but I do think that you know, we, we spend a good bit of our time and our staff time 
uh, not in downtown. Um, and frankly, one of the things that I, as we were talking about before, you know, it used to be that we were you know, having to work to get anything going. And I remember the days when you know, ONB, we would really have to work hard to get anything going. Well, now there are a lot of things that are happening in downtown that frankly don't even have our involvement. You know, the market has sort of taken hold and now it's a different kind of work in downtown versus other places where we need to be working to stimulate things more. Um, so, you know, I think there's a misperception that we are only focused downtown. Um, uh, I do, uh, I'm not at all interested in abandoning uh, downtown because downtown has to be strong. <clears throat> and when we merged, I, I, I kind of did, I came with the philosophy that I thought that downtown needed to be strong in order for our neighborhoods to have any chance. But I also oh, firmly right. believed that our downtown cannot exist in, in an island and it, it, and it will only thrive to a point if, if our communities around it are not thriving too. And I, I believe that then, I still believe that now. And um, you know, we, I think, will be, be stronger you know, together. And so I, I sort of, I'll be honest, I sort of hate the dichotomy that gets created, sort of downtown versus neighborhood uh, argument. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I think it's uh, it's unnecessary, but I do understand the feeling of, of people that may live in a in a community that they don't see the same business growth uh, that is happening in some other parts of the city. But um, I can tell you that I, I believe that you know the it's a there's a lot more opportunity for everyone knowing that you know, there are certain parts of the city that are beginning to thrive and it can hopefully spread out over time. It's it's a long game. You know, it's definitely a long game, uh, but I hope that sort of, I know that won't answer every critic, but I do believe that um, we're misperceived by some to only be focused on downtown. We have a lot of our resources actually deployed uh, outside of downtown. Well, and you said it, it's, it's a longer game when you're dealing in, in communities, uh, some of which, if not many of which, or most of which in our city have not uh, received what at least residents of those communities feel is a fair share of attention and resources, uh, whether it's from City Hall, whether it's from, uh, from uh, organizations who are involved in economic and community development. Um, but it's a real balancing act, is it not? The, the balancing act being between between economic development oh, and yeah. community development, and yeah, and how you use those resources that you have. Mm -hmm. It is, and I think that's um, why you know you, you always have to be willing to. While our mission, I don't think will will change much over time. Our tactics always need to be able to, you know. And I, and I and, and I think there are even things that we're doing now that we weren't doing four years ago. And and really, people forget we're only four years old, really, in terms of this iteration, right. you know. And, right. and it took a lot of work just to kind of pull everything together and start to build an organization at, at one out of two, um, but. Um, you know, we always are, are you know, having to be open to what is tactically appropriate and what will really be effective and impactful. And then, uh, you know, we, we actually have, we've talked a lot about our mission at REV. You know, our vision that we, as a staff, a few years ago kind of pulled together. We pulled everybody together and said, you know, what's the vision that, you know, let's talk about that. And that's about why, you know, we, we do this. And it's... Uh, uh, the vision statement that we have is that we want to see Birmingham uh, be the most vibrant urban market in the southeast where everyone can realize their dreams. Now, our piece of that 
you know, we can't own all of that because right. that would be impossible for us by ourselves to own all that. It takes a lot of people pulling together to realize a vision like that. But our piece of it is this commercial revitalization piece. Um, and um, so uh, we, we work towards that and try to, um, you know, tactically pivot when we need to to hopefully help, you know, some areas be more thriving. That, and that's why, you know, people will wonder sometimes, why are you doing an urban food project? What does that have to do with your mission? And we say, well, we figured out that we were in communities where people were saying, gosh, we just don't have good access to, to food. You know, and that was sort of born out of that sort of Main Street mission a few years ago. And uh, we need a grocery store, we need all that. And we realized, well, you know, there is a lack of access to healthy food. And there's a way to bring revitalization to the community, hopefully, by doing that, by solving that need. So, so for us, if anybody ever sees a particular thing we're doing, we've run it through this idea of, you know, how is that ultimately benefiting the mission of revitalized commercial districts? So an urban food project, yeah, we're distributing food in, in urban areas uh, where there's lack of access to healthy food. But the idea and the hope is that we can retain market share in those neighborhoods and those communities and hopefully build more market share back instead of them feeling like they have to leave their community to go to the grocery store. And uh, once you build that market share back, then the grocery stores realize, hey, yeah, we could open up here. We could thrive in this community or that community. You know, so there's actually a sort of method to the madness. But it's a long game, as you say. It is. Yeah. I need to pause here for just uh, a moment to thank again the uh, sponsor of Weldcast, South Base Properties. We appreciate their support of this fine program and of uh, Weld in general. Um, let me ask you kind of a, uh, I guess, a meta question. And, and we've talked about the mission of this organization mm-hmm. and, and other organizations that have missions, and certainly those change and, and hopefully adapt uh, over time, how difficult is it not to try to be all things to all people? And then what difficulties are there attached with trying to target your mission to those areas you feel you really can have an impact and make a difference and yet have people saying, well, why not me? Why not my neighborhood? Why not? How do you? Yeah. Well, you know, when you're mission-oriented people like we all are at Rev, you know, you're you're naturally inclined to want to help. I mean, that's sort of you know the people that work in in this kind of service-oriented business. You 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 know you, you see a need somewhere and you just sort of want to help. You know, if you can, but you also know that you're limited by a finite amount of resources, um, and you're also we also have to assess what is what is the opportunity in a particular place for our ability, our work, to actually have an impact. And, um, you know, we try to go through, um, you know, assessment of that and, and figure that out. I, I do, though, I will say, though, at times um, I found myself, um, uh, you know, going into, back into some, some neighborhoods that have just come and said, I just need this, and I need that. It technically is... Technically, it's not something I should be doing, but I can't help myself sometimes. Right. And I try not to burden my staff with it. I burden myself with it because I want to, you know, go in and just help them figure out that, that problem. And sometimes I think that's the best way we can help. Like, you know, I, I can think of a particular community that had an issue where they were saying something they really needed, and it wasn't something that I could provide them, but I knew who could help them. And, you know, I spent a little time with it. I said, well, let's, let's connect you with this resource. And I kind of stayed engaged with it, even right. though it really wasn't my 
things. I wanted to make sure that community, they needed that help to help them articulate what they were really wanting and, and all that. And that's not something that's going to show up at the end of the day on our um, annual report or something we did, you know, but it is something I did. You know, anyway, just so we, we do have to sort of balance the resource allocation you know, that we have, the resources that we have available um, with where we you know, target and, and, and what we uh, can feel like is a place that we um, can impact. And I will tell you, you know, interestingly, I, as I look back over our trajectory over the last, let's call it four years of our existence um, as REV, um, you know, we, we, we probably spent a lot of that time in those first three years uh, with, you know, arguably some fairly high profile projects, you know, expanding the urban food project, mm -hmm. we, we did the lighting and the underpasses underneath uh, in the downtown, did bike share, um, we completed the social venture redevelopment in Woodlawn, which was a 12,000 square foot vacant building that now has, you know, vibrancy something going there, and those were all pretty high profile things, and we really sort of moved into this year and said, let's not do a lot of big stuff. <laughs> so let's just let's just figure out how we're really getting better at the things we started uh, trying to do, uh, getting better at the community engagement, which we always need to be getting better at, getting better at um, uh, the programs we started, and you know, making sure you know the you know we just celebrated the last week the you know one anniversary, one year anniversary of bike share. You know, make you know we, we were starting now a new thing in Birmingham. We were starting it with a new prototype or technology, and, you know, there was a lot of learning curve there, you know, right. the last year. So, uh, so we haven't, if, if anybody's noticed, we haven't really done a whole lot of big launches this year, kind of like we have the last few years. And it was really intentional because we were trying to just get better at what we were doing and, um, you know, lead to, you know, what, what can we now, you know, do with the platform that's been created. And, and how do we, do we even need to stop some things we're doing? You know, you have to just kind of go through the period of assessment sometimes. And um, uh, that said, um, you know, I, I, we, we are working on some uh, some things now that we're trying to um, hope will be, you know, as we move into 2017, a kind of a next iteration of some, you know, services and things hopefully we can provide. Or, you know, that's not all fleshed out yet. So if you were, if we were doing this well cast in about two months, I'd probably be able to tell you more. But um, uh, I'll give you a preview. If you sure, want. please. Um, you know, we, we uh, recognize that one of the challenges in doing catalytic development in um, areas where there's, you know, you know, marginal market opportunities and attracting capital and attracting people to make those decisions uh, you know, if a business wants to go in a community, they may have a hard time attracting capital. And while there are a lot of capital resources out there, we have sort of felt like there was a, a gap or a hole in the toolbox as it related to um, uh, you know, resources, financial resources that could support development in low-income and moderate-income areas. So, um, especially the physical redevelopment. Maybe it's even community facility type things that are needed. You know. Uh, the healthcare facilities and those kinds of things. Um, to that end, we've we've been thinking about how do we resource catalytic development like that, and um, uh, it's no secret because it's been announced by the federal government, but it really hadn't been announced here. So this is breaking news on your wellcast. Here, here. Um, you know, we've got a grant from the federal government, CDFI fund, um, to help us with exploration of creation of a CDFI, which is a financial model or a financial tool that could. Um, 
help bring more capital resources to those kinds of areas where it's hard to attract capital. Um, you know, there are not a lot of CDFIs in Alabama. It's, it's not a, it, there are some, and there are some national CDFIs that work here, but when the list of um, grants was announced, we were the only Alabama CDFI or, or potential CDFI on the list, you know, and I think that's an issue for Alabama uh, that we don't have a lot more of that kind of stuff going on. But we're looking at maybe creating something to fill that gap. Um, not sure we're, you know, where we're going to go, but it's a technical assistance grant, so right. it helps us you know, really flesh it out and know could we create those kinds of resources that could hopefully be deployed into areas and fill gaps in projects that people might want to do in these uh, designated low to moderate income areas. So, um, I and think how, how quickly will that begin to be implemented? Well, um, we got an, an, that announcement about two weeks ago <laughs> that we got it, and then the federal government has to gear up and work with you for a little while and sort of really finalizing the redevelopment or, or the agreement you know that they have with you. Uh, we think it will be a, probably a first quarter, maybe second quarter of 2017 to really know that we have created the, uh, the framework to launch and we can, we can do it. So I, I do believe by, you know, by that point, we'll know for sure that we have the ability to commit fully to doing it. But I'm optimistic. I mean, I think the fact that we, it's a very competitive grant and the fact that we created, we articulated a problem that is unique to Birmingham. Where did the grant originate? Who, who I'm sorry, that? I should have been more yeah. clear. The Department of the Treasury mm -hmm. um, has a uh, CDFI, which is Community Development Finance Institution Fund mm -hmm. underneath it. And uh, that fund is the fund that um, uh, helps to, first of all, certify uh, the creation of CDFIs. If you're going to be one, you have to get certified by the Department of Treasury. Right. So they say, yeah, you're legit. Uh, but then secondly, there, is, there are some resources and grants that they'll give out um, in order to help fuel what you're doing. You have to, of course, raise money from local you know, right. banks or other financial institutions. But um, that was a Department of Treasury grant. And this was, uh, the application was a REV initiative. Who's the actual applicant? Uh, REV Birmingham. Okay. We applied. Um, and um, you know, it would require us to probably create a sub-entity to you know, deploy all that. But we, you know, it was a REV Birmingham request. And how much funding are we talking about? It's just $125,000, but that's a lot of seed money to help figure out what's, a, what's the appropriate market legal structure. And the kind of, these kinds of things require creating partnerships. Um, they require creating um, relationships with other financial institutions, mm -hmm. and so a lot of that takes a lot of time and focused work and energy, um, and you know the creation of agreements and stuff like that. So right. um, that money will even help us possibly, um, you know, uh, add staff initially if we decide we really can do this. Uh, then you know we can sort of get started um, with it and, and resource it properly. So. I'm kind of excited about that. I, I, I think it's validation of the fact that we recognize a need in our market that is something that the federal government and, you know, the smart people up there in Washington, you know. <laughs> Who uh, are those people? I don't know, but whoever they were, they said, you know, they're onto something here. And so uh, we're, we're glad that that at least got recognized. Well, from a, from a uh, broad perspective, I mean, what, what are Birmingham's strengths? right now and and in what areas can we and must we do better if we're going to uh, uh, achieve some of the things that, uh, that that we'd like to achieve as a community 
strengths. So, well, I do think we have some assets that other communities don't. I, I do think we have assets like UAB, and I think we have um, an entrepreneurial spirit, things like that that I, I do think are assets and strengths. And we've just sort of uh, begun to, to, to recognize those things, really, mm -hmm. I think, is strength. We, we've, this has not always been a great entrepreneurial town. Right. Um, there has not always been the recognition of, of the role that UAB has played, the greater role perhaps it can play in the development You're of the right. community. And I think that's changed, thankfully, um, because um, there's a whole lot uh, to leverage out of UAB and um, uh, then our biz business community. I think it's an asset that we are a city that, you know, probably more because of our economic slow down compared to other Sunbelt cities in the 80s or whatever, didn't tear down all our historic buildings. You know, right. and, I, and that's something now that people really want. They want authenticity. Absolutely. And I think that that's something that our city actually offers in a way that other cities don't. I mean, I hate to knock another city, but you know, downtown Charlotte, I mean, it's all basically been built in the last 10 years. That's right. I mean, I, but Birmingham's got some authenticity in it. Um, not just physically, but I think, you know, again, the, the the unique history of this city um, also makes us deal with some issues that other communities sweep under the rug. You know, and I, and I think that's actually an asset. Some people kind of get a little concerned about that and get a little wigged out by it, but I think it's actually one of our strengths, and um, um, I think that that's uh, that's good for us. Um, but you know, we we still have a a quality of life here that. We haven't quite grown yet to the extent that we're so choked on ourselves. And, and I was looking at a chart the other day about where we ranked in, ter in terms of affordability of, of housing. And we're actually one of the most affordable out of the top 100 metros. And this is metro, mm -hmm. not just city of Birmingham. Right. Um, and I think that's an asset. You know, we need to be promoting that. You know, that you, can, you don't have to move to some other community where you can barely buy a closet to live in, you know. Um, so I, I think those are some of our strengths. Um, I may have kind of moved off from your question a little no, bit. No, no, you didn't at all. And, 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 of course, the other part of it was, you know, where, where, do, we, uh, where do we not put our okay. best foot yeah. forward? Well, I think we've alluded to, you know, sometimes, you know, our, our sort of fractionalized nature, uh, that that's an issue for us. Um, uh, and I, I think that's... I think one of your well-casts dealt with that last time right. um, from a government standpoint. Um, but I also think that, um, you know, just the way that we have, uh, you know, get below the sort of government surface, you know, our, we're, we're still coming together as a city, you know, that a city that for the first hundred plus years was, was very intentionally divided. We've, we've still got to overcome that. That's not our own, that's not just our problem. Clearly it's a national issue. But, um, it's filtered a little differently here. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah, um, and I, I do think that that's an issue. Um, I I think that we have done a pretty good job of doing catalyst projects like a railroad park or a baseball stadium and, mm -hmm. or go back several years or McWayne Center. Mm -hmm. um, but learning how to really leverage those. Um, we're getting better at that, but I don't think we're 
fully there yet. Um, you know, you want to leverage those big investments so that they get the greatest impact. And but it, it's easy to say, okay, we we did that product now, we're done. But you know, you, you really gotta say, okay, now how do we leverage that for more? And um, not just sort of say that we have these individual catalytic things because that's how you sort of fill in the gaps between things a little bit more. Um, that's sort of that may be sort of hard for people to kind of get their heads around what do you really mean by leveraging things like that but from my perspective I think you know you do those catalytic projects so that you're creating that fuel that you leverage to, to, to keep the fire moving and keep it burning so I think it's important not to just rest and say we did that you know yeah and I don't think there's any doubt you have to you have to keep the ball rolling and mm -hmm. uh, and, and I don't think there's any doubt that, that uh, most people are feeling uh, a little differently about Birmingham than they did not so long ago mm -hmm. Yeah, I am, as you know, I, you know me, I'm an optimist. I tend to be the glass half full kind of person as opposed to the half empty. <laughs> and, um, you know, I um, definitely am so pleased that there are so many more um, uh, people that sort of join, like you and me, Mark, and being Birmingham believers. I mean, we have been for a long time. Um, and it's glad to see a lot, a lot more of that. Um, so... Uh, that's something we got to leverage too. So, so with all of that, uh, you know, if everybody will just get out of the way and let us do our work here, <laughs> um, well, where where are we in ten years? Where's where's Birmingham ten years from now? Well, you know, there are a lot of factors that you have to discount for. So let me discount for mm -hmm. like if there's a really a national economic meltdown of some kind and um, all of that. You know, let's, let's you know, take take that out of it. Um, uh, I think seeing where we are in, in, in terms of our potential and our, our newfound optimism, I do think in 10 years we can be a city that has even a more thriving job creating economy. I think that we can be a city that has an even more thriving downtown. And I believe in 10 years that, that helps to benefit neighborhoods too. I think you're going to see more, hopefully, um, that would be my goal, and I know a lot of people's goal is to see um, many of the neighborhoods that unfortunately saw uh, a lot of people decide that I need to leave here, people wanting to return to and, um, and joining the people that have stayed there and kind of holding hands with them and saying, hey, we're, we're all part of one community and we can you know, lift this together. You know? um, I think that's possible here. I think that if we can continue to be... Um, honest and you know leverage things like our civil rights heritage and a civil rights district and um, beginning to, to, to talk honestly about our you know coming together as opposed to you know just finding reasons to stay apart I think we've got a lot of potential you know I think it will be a city that 10 years from now can look and feel I don't want to say different because I think we need to be who we are I don't think we need to be something else I think we've got a lot to offer. I agree with that wholeheartedly, by the way. And um, but I think we can just be more of who we are. And I hope we are. I see that um, potential. And it kind of gets me excited. It's what makes me want to get out of bed every morning, I think. Because it's definitely, as you said in the beginning, <laughs> it can be tough work, you know, because, you know, doing this kind of work, knowing all of the, the things you've got to try to pull together. Um, uh, but, you know, it's, it's rewarding, too. I mean, I just can't imagine myself waking up doing anything else every day. 
Well, as Fred Shuttlesworth used to say, you know, the the, the Lord knew that I had a hard head. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, uh, or he knew that I lived in a, in a hard town. That's why he gave me a hard head. So maybe we can relate to that a little. I guess so. And I, I do feel like it's important for me at this point to say how much I appreciate the people that have joined Rev's team. You know, we actually are about 30 people now. Right. In terms of staff size, uh, which is pretty big. You know, I, gosh, you know, I, managing that many people. You know, I remember that I used to know what everybody in my staff was doing every day. You know, I, you know, there's no way I can know that now. Um, everybody that, that has come to work for us, either whether it's because they're a bike share mechanic or they're driving the, the food truck or um, they're wanting to work on grassroots neighborhood projects like a, a Woodlawn Urban Market or doing things like that, they love this city too. And I, I'm, I am always, every day, sort of refueled a little bit by all the people around us here that really want all this great stuff for Birmingham and are working toward it in their own way. Uh, through us, they may be with us a long time, they may be with us a short time, but I, I feel like I need to give them you know, all the credit. This is not a David Fleming success or any, you know, whatever it is. This is uh, about a bunch of people coming together and really wanting um, to see a more vibrant Birmingham. So thank you for letting me have a moment to do that. Well, <laughs> absolutely, and fair enough. Uh, and I want to thank you for your time and uh, hope you've enjoyed the conversation as much as I have. Yeah, it's been good. Good. And uh, I do need to mention once more that uh, Wellcast is... Uh, Brought to you by South Pace Properties, the uh, largest independent commercial real estate firm in Alabama and a great corporate citizen of our city. Thank you for listening.